Okay. Sige. intro lang ako. I feel so nervous. Okay. <laughs> Ayan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of Salabasang Classroom and I am here with one of the most amazing people ever. <laughs> Hashtag one of the genuine kind-hearted friends I have. So I'm introducing Miss Dani. Anong entire name mo? Hindi ko alala sa dami ng pangalan mo ate. <laughs> okay na yung Ayan, Dani. Ate Dani. Uh, yeah, I, I just yeah. call her Ate Dani. It's weird I call her Ate but I'm actually older than her by two days. So I'll let her introduce herself. Baka mamaya masyado na ako maraming sabihin. Umexit na siya sa Zoom meeting. So <laughs> introduce yourself Ate. Hi. Uh, hi. My name is Dani. Hi, Danny. Joke. <laughs> Parang ano, an- AA Anyway, hi, my name is Danny. Uh, I am a, I guess for the purpose of this podcast, I am a bipolar person. And generally fun person, I think, naman in fair. Hindi, joke lang. Nagbuhat ng sariling, sariling bangko. Uh, okay, so I work as an operations manager. And I started out as a VA, the adoptive mother of four dogs and three cats. I'm a homegrown Baguio bean and overall friendly person, I think. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I hope. You <laughs> okay, are. I think that's it. I didn't really person. think that's true. <laughs> I don't I don't ascribe to any labels. So I don't know. I'm a swamp thing. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> Hashtag no labels, no? But yeah, yeah, speaking of labels, um, especially talking about mental health, there is a big debate about it. And just a side question. Um, would you prefer or would you have preferred, no? Having no label or having your experiences labeled? Um, you know, I think that really depends on context. In general, I really don't like labels. But sometimes it helps for people to know like what's going on especially around being bipolar there's a lot of like there's a lot of misconceptions about the label itself and people mislabel people as bipolar just because like oh, oh this person's moody up and down bipolar siguro siya ganyan so there are ways that i see that labels can help but there has to be like a certain understanding and i think the whole like act of labeling in itself needs to stop you know, I, I don't know if that makes sense because I'm saying on one hand that labels help. And on the other hand, I'm also saying that labels stop. But uh, what I'm saying is like, if you don't fully understand something and you see that there's a label on it, then you don't like take that label and use it for your own personal narratives on other people who don't deserve that kind of label. So I guess it's a matter of like uh, respecting labels enough not to overuse or misuse them. Makes sense? <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Definitely. And I also appreciate what you've mentioned about misusing labels. Because it's easy to see someone as, you know, quote-unquote being moody. Actually, for this episode, we are going to debunk myths <laughs> about bipolar <laughs> disorder. And that's uh, one of the questions. But seeing someone as, quote-unquote, moody and then labeling them as having bipolar disorder is very harmful. And so please don't do that. In any related mental health condition. So, speaking of bipolar disorder, 
The first myth that we will discuss is that there is only one type of bipolar disorder. So if ever you would like to share or if you're comfortable to share, what was the diagnosis given to you and how does this diagnosis affect your experience, whether in the past or in the present? So yeah, that is a myth that there's only one type of bipolar disorder, which people would just think is like moodiness. So no, I was uh, diagnosed with the exact terms are bipolar mood disorder but not like um, the type one. So uh, this, this bipolar mood disorder of mine, I would consider it in my experience and observing other people as the milder variation of it. For me, before therapy and medication, the management was a little difficult without me having realized it. Because you do, with this type of bipolar disorder, you tend more towards hypomania instead of mania. And there's a difference between the two, right? So in my experience, like having this type of bipolar disorder, I have this tendency to go into hypomanic episodes and under certain triggers. And I also would have periods of elevated functionality, <laughs> I guess, like where activity, there you go. Uh, you know, that if unchecked would have led to a full manic episode, which I think I may have gone through at least once in my life. Yeah, and you know, how does having a diagnosis affect my experience? It was so much better understanding what was going on unfortunately growing up i was mislabeled people with the same diagnosis in my life and in my family were already saying that i was bipolar prior to my official diagnosis and so that does something to a kid you know you're a teenager or a young person and then someone says feeling ko bipolar yan eh based on your behavior and their behavior as bipolar people. I grew up thinking, okay, then I must be, then I must be, then I must be. And then thinking about all the symptoms. I mean, I tried not to go into like a Mayo Clinic or <laughs> a hole. <laughs> those those Google holes where, where you try and self-diagnose because I know that's not safe and that's not healthy. Pero... Early on, palang, I was mislabeled and already being diagnosed by people who did not have the qualifications to diagnose me. That did something. So when I went to see a doctor and I did not tell them about this misdiagnosis by other people, I actually even also I went to several doctors. This, the first one I went to said that I had an anxiety disorder and that didn't work out. Uh, the relationship with her just didn't work out so I went to see another doctor and they said they put me through some questions you know we went went uh, until he came to a point where he could say your symptoms are consistent with bipolar disorder and so when he told me that I was like well nothing new I guess but also it was really helpful to me personally to know that okay so it's real so it has to be dealt with right 
because when I was being mislabeled before, prior to the official diagnosis, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if this is, so, is this really me? Like, you know, again, that's not safe and healthy for a young person to hear. And I wish I had gone to see that doctor sooner, but I'm thankful I did because after being diagnosed and after understanding how to deal with the symptoms and how to deal with the disorder itself, everything improved. My work life, my relationships. I'm slowly coming back to building a better relationship with myself. And thank you for sharing. Medyo mahugot yun. Maraming, ano, maraming <laughs> to-do list in terms of people listening to this episode without fully understanding what bipolar disorder is. First is no to self-diagnosis. Please. Utang na loob. Okay, <laughs> mag-google ng symptoms and just saying I have bipolar disorder. Please refer to a mental health professional. And second is it is very important for people to not just blurt or say words and say labels as if they know everything about it even though they're going through it it is very uncomfortable that's one and scary i i think especially with your experience of hearing these terms at a young age so kahit na siguro ikaw yung experience ng bipolar disorder hindi mo pwedeng sabihin na yung ibang tao ay may bipolar disorder just because you experience it na so hindi mo buhat yung bangko nila That's the second. And the third important thing I got from your sharing is the relationship between the therapist or the doctor and the client. So if things or if the relationship is not working, it is very important to be open to re- to refer to another practitioner. Kasi meron at meron talagang hindi mo makakajive. And I know you have a lot of stories about this. <laughs> so, so if you'd like to share one, parang green flags, ganon. Green flags for a good relationship with a mental health practitioner. It's like dating. So, you know, <laughs> sana na record yung tawa mo. I can see you laughing, but I can't hear you. But it's like dating. Finding the right mental health professional to deal with you and to help you on your journey to getting better regardless of whether or not you have a condition is like dating you know um you meet someone and then you see like what is the dynamic of this relationship can i be fully honest with this person is this person going to be honest with me are they going to help me or respect my boundaries you know because even if you have to be completely honest of course with your doctor or your therapist there still are boundaries in the way they should be dealing with you so one the one particular professional that i'd encountered had no boundaries and they made me feel like i wasn't going to be safe in the things i was going to tell them because if we were to like to make this kind of like dating again so they they would say something like Oh, uh, I know this particular person in your life. It's, it's like, um, okay, so your secrets, not well, not secrets, but the things that you want to keep confidential, you kind of wonder, uh, are they going to keep this confidential? Because this is like the one session and they're starting to identify all of the people that I knew, you know, specifically people at the time that were triggering me. And... That did not feel right. So if we were to look at this like through the eye 
um, of someone that's looking for a date or someone that's encountering somebody new and trying to form a relationship with them or seeing where this relationship can go. It's like meeting someone and then they identify all of your exes as their friends. <laughs> you know, so all of your exes as their friends. So like, I would not date a person who is friends with my exes that's kind of weird that's that does not help me feel like this person's going to make me feel safe because they're friends with people that i no longer want in my life and so those are the red flags really there are worse things that happened with you know with that particular professional but i don't want to focus so much on the negative stuff we could go positive is with the person that i'm seeing now (laughs) Sounds like dating. <laughs> so with the person that I'm seeing now, um, at first I was like, nah, they're, they're probably, they're just reading off of a script is what it felt like. So they're just telling me things I want to hear. And that made me feel uncomfortable at first because I was wondering like, mm, you know, is this going to work? I don't know if there's much substance to what they're trying to tell me, but because it was new you know and we were still like learning each other as the patient or the client you would have to try and see if it's worth another chance so you know you can't just go to one session and say i'm not hearing what i want to hear because the professionals what know what they're doing so i've been seeing this person for this doctor for a good four years now my life has improved so much because i know that they listen and there's they strike a really good balance between sharing their own experiences to reassure me that the things that i'm sharing with them are normal or understandable so they're able to empathize so somebody that's able to empathize with you without like coddling you and telling you that you're the only right one in this situation and you know giving you feedback on your shortcomings i guess this applies for most relationships but giving you feedback for your shortcomings without making you feel like you cannot improve after that or without making you feel like all you have to do is improve i think a good therapist or a good professional or a good doctor would be able to tell you okay well this may be something that you want to go over again or this may be something that you want to go through again and see is there something that you can you know pick up from this and you know like so another green flag with this one is besides the empathy and besides like being able to steer the conversation in a direction that doesn't feel like i'm being chastised or um, admonished for for certain behaviors or certain mistakes. The fact that they respect your prof- your decisions as professionals, because with this particular doctor, and I'm gonna say it's a doctor because I need medication. So this doctor in particular, uh, I had my reservations regarding medication for the longest time. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because during, you know, with my experience around other people with their own disorders and conditions, I did not like how they seemed around medication. And so I was so hesitant to start on medication. And they, my doctor, respected that it took maybe a year for us to really come to an okay, to a place where, okay, let's try, let's try again. 
let's see how it affects you. I will give you a particular dosage so that you don't feel like it's a jolt to your system or you don't feel like uncomfortable and we can just build it up over time and i really appreciate that about my doctor you know so somebody that listens somebody that knows your needs and somebody that understands your fears and your reservation kind of like a partner you know you have to have somebody that overall respects you as a person so that's that was like the major 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 green flag with them is that they respected me and my fears and my reservations even my mistakes and even the things that i didn't like so much about myself and helped me work through it and that's a miss universe type of answer to a complicated <laughs> question so thank you um wow uh, what i mm, i feel stunned in terms of hearing the importance of also the therapist sharing their story in a way but not oversharing. It's a good point. And also respecting your decisions, even though you have mentioned your fears, your reservations, even your mistakes. Having a doctor for four years, do you feel like it's helpful in terms of living with bipolar disorder, especially since it's it's a lifetime condition? Mm-hmm. So how do you experience your moods? Because as you mentioned earlier, or emotions that bipolar disorder are just people being too moody that's a myth so how do you mm-hmm. experience your moods or emotions even with you know um, conversations with your doctor even with medication is it still different compared to the quote-unquote normal people yes i think so um i just want to put it out there that everybody regardless of whether you or not you have a condition can benefit from therapy I myself, you know, people really would have described me prior to therapy and medication and treatment. That's what's called treatment. Prior to treatment, I was also called moody a lot. But I wasn't called bipolar just because I was moody. But then I do see that happening is when someone's moody, I am yan bipolar, yan laging galit, tapos biglang happy, tapos biglang sad. Bipolar disorder really can seem that way. But there are people that just are going through it, you know? And when they're going through it, um, and I've read a lot, you know, when people are angry in general, they're just using their anger to shield something deeper. Moodiness is um, usually associated with anger and sadness any normal person can be going through something and particularly irritable on one day or you know if there's a constant stressor to them then maybe they're particularly irritable all the time maybe because they have something on their mind that they're unable to share that doesn't immediately mean that they are bipolar so as a person with bipolar and i'm not gonna Okay, I may have said earlier that I'm a bipolar person, but let's let's use it in more sensitive terms and say as a person with bipolar, my experience of moods and emotions, um, and this is like deeply personal, if you don't mind, is it's I have gone through such extreme highs and lows, and all the while felt that I had very little control over how I was feeling. I was aware, maybe because of 
how I grew up was I do have to be aware of how I'm feeling. Not a lot of people have that privilege or that knowledge. My experience of moods and emotions was that I could feel them shift. And sometimes I could feel like I know it's happening and I know I'm um, super stressed out. Sometimes I feel like I'm on the outside and I can't stop the anger. It's easier to identify that I'm out of it when I'm angry or upset. Like later on when I start to come down from it, I see it. But normal emotions, because even if I am bipolar or with but I have bipolar, I still experience normal emotions. I hope that people understand that about people with bipolar disorder is that not everything is um a phase of the disorder. Not everything is a depressive phase. Not everything is a hypomanic phase or manic phase. You know, we, we come down to the middle as well with the right treatment. And so I kind of, I can tell when I'm feeling an emotion that I can sit down with and shake off or process easily. And when it comes to a mood or an emotion, as a result of the disorder, it becomes you're I don't know how to explain this properly. You are aware, but it's harder to control. For normal moods and emotions, you are aware and you can not necessarily control it in the sense of like wrangling with it, but you can process it much easier than with the disorder where you don't know where it's coming from really sometimes. You know, I mean, you can identify triggers, but if you would like a very personal <laughs> example is with my um, disorder comes some tendencies and the tendency does not necessarily mean it's a disorder, right? So with my disorder, I have some obsessive compulsive tendencies. Just tendencies. I don't have an obsessive compulsive disorder. That's entirely different. I can still function without, you know. But, um, for example, this tendency towards uh, obsessive compulsiveness. One time, my husband, and I wasn't feeling so well already. Okay, I was suffering from sleep deprivation and... I was particularly hungry. You know, many, many, many factors that could push you down into a phase or an episode or something like that. It wasn't necessarily an episode, but, you know, push you down towards a low mood. Things were not ideal and things were not okay. And they were not turbulent necessarily. It was just that the conditions were set for me to go into or to get triggered. So my husband had made lunch that day. I wasn't particularly mad at him or anything. I was just, um, I don't remember what that day was like. He made sinigang. And he forgot to add the tampon. And I freaked out. Like, really, like, freaked out. Um, and this tends to happen, but I wouldn't say that this, <laughs> this experience is universal. It's just that, I could also tell that I was losing control because I was coming into a bipolar rage out of an obsessive-compulsive tendency. Maybe doctors would be able to explain this better, 
But I do feel that that was a trait of the disorder and not normal. So if you find yourself in certain situations, you may want to consult with a professional. Because I could see myself losing control. And it wasn't like losing control physically. or Just like I could sense that I wasn't getting a grip on my emotions anymore. That's just one example. I mean, there's also depression. And there's also... Yeah. Uh, hypomania, which I think we can get to next, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very important to take note of what you've mentioned, that your experience is your own experience, and even if you might have experienced the same, you know, feeling frustrated about, you know, a missing ingredient in a dish or in your food, it's not the same as having it being experienced if you do have bipolar disorder. So for some people, it might seem like a little thing or a small thing, but during that time, because of added factors such as sleep deprivation, and I don't know if you were too stressed that day too, that may have added to Highly likely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very likely. So it's not just how the disorder affects you, but it, it is also a combination of a lot more things. No? And having the disorder just makes things worse. So hindi lang siya yung tanging reason kung bakit ganun yung reaction mo. And I hope that people would also understand that having any mental health condition is not the only reason why you respond to yeah. uh, stress or a certain way that may be seen as too harsh, too aggressive, or too whatever. It just makes things worse. Now, And learning about these things and talking to a professional about it would be very helpful. And if ever you do need medication, I hope that you would consider no, um, medication and not write off that option to actually feel better and manage things better. And you mentioned earlier that there would be extreme highs and extreme lows. So going to the extreme high of mania or hypomania, depending on the type of bipolar disorder a person experiences, they would see mania as fun and exciting. So what are the fun, quote-unquote, and not-so-fun aspects of your hypomanic episodes. If ever you do remember an episode you'd like to share. I really like your note on if ever you do remember because there is the tendency, I think, in my own experience, there is this tendency that when you are in a hypomanic episode, the memory loss, you know? Um, <laughs> because you, you come up to such a high point and then you get so much stuff done that you don't uh, <laughs> sometimes you end up not remembering. It's 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 a thing. It's a difficult thing because you know some decisions were made and uh yeah okay. So it does seem crazy. And um, mania and hypomania is usually the part that people see. You know because the depression people would just write it off as oh you're depressed or sad or that um and and then. For ages, you know, because I'm such a, I like to call myself super high functioning all the time, even during my depression phases in the past, I was always high functioning. So it was harder for others outside my immediate circles to identify that, oh, maybe she really is bipolar because I'm just always active. Yeah, mania tends to be the thing that people see more, I think in my opinion, and maybe 
this is the case for some patients with a similar disorder or with the same disorder. But I think some people are more manic or manic or hypomanic more often than they are depressed. I think it's the case for me in the past was um I didn't really have much space to be depressed, so mania or hypomania seems like fun, right? Yeah. Okay, no, but it's <laughs> it's interesting because I could say that yes, it's fun, and no, it's not. In that, the fun parts of it is how much you can get done, really. But also, the not fun part of it is how much you can't get done because you're procrastinating, you are easily distracted, so irritable. Um, you know, there are there have been in the past some hypomanic phases where I think like my entire last semester of college was hypomanic. <laughs> <laughs> with all the activity, the lack of sleep, um, with, with hypomania and mania, there is like a decreased need for sleep. I think that's what my doctor may have called, called it. Is that uh, you, you feel like you don't need it. And I think for most of my last semester in college, um, I was sleeping maybe two to four hours a night, you know, just getting it done. Uh, Working through school, powering through, I just come out of a bad relationship at the time. So there was a newfound freedom, and wasn't that like the perfect time for, a, especially after a highly emotional period, you know, it can happen where you jump into a hypomanic phase or a manic phase, depending on the kind of condition that you have. After that period of heightened emotion became a super productive. Um, time in my life. I wouldn't call myself particularly extroverted. I am social, but I do feel that I am an introvert. And so outside of my last semester of school, I was mostly shy. You know, I would have friends and I would just tag along with the group. But um, besides being shy, it would exhaust me afterwards. You know, classic stuff. You know that. But in my... <laughs> Last semester was particularly social. Had so many friends, so many activities, um, orgs and stuff, and that's outside of my normal um, behavior. Because if you look at me now, that I am getting treatment, is that I'm a homebody. I reserve my, I try to reserve my social energy, but I must say that. There are remnants of my last semester in college. I guess I built enough relationships then to have to maintain them now, and it's exhausting. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's the fun part, really. And it's not as fun as people say it is. Is that you can be productive and you can get a lot of things done, and you become much more social than that you really are. And that was fun at the time, but now that I have to maintain all those relationships, I must say, it's quite exhausting. So that's the not-so-fun part. And then the not-so-fun part, too, is when I am hypomanic, these days I tend to procrastinate a lot. can't get anything done. You know, I start one thing, and I don't finish the other. Um, and I think there there are illusions of grandeur that come with hypomania for a lot of people. And for me, my illusions of grandeur aren't really that big. <laughs> but I used to have those, like, for real. And that's not fun because you end up disappointing yourself. I think at this point, 
my illusions of grandeur are completing my tedious enough to going on vacation like maybe <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, please. Um But yeah, the not so fun parts of it is things start to snowball sometimes. And you become angry and irritable and then you lose control. When you don't sleep, um that's terrible for your body and it's also terrible for your mind. And when you feel you don't have a need for sleep and then you don't sleep, you become much more susceptible to so many things and that's the not fun part of it. You get triggered easily, you get angry, irritable, um, you're always hungry, you know, you're always moving and yeah, so that's why it's really important when you see these phases and these symptoms of, of hypomania or elevated activity is to see someone about it, to ask somebody, ask a professional about it. Because from here on out, I think for any listeners that, that feel that they may have these symptoms, it's important to really ask yourself, am I, am I, do I have elevated activity or am I just excited about something? And try and, try and really like sit down with your feelings. Because sometimes mania can be like, oh, I'm so excited and stuff like that. But it's hard to identify at first because you may be like I was, where you're always functional. So try and identify, especially when you start losing sleep. It's just those, those are what warning signs to watch out for with hypomania and mania. It's not, it's not fun. It's not all good things when you're hypomanic. It's not good or bad, because with, with, um, bipolar, it's, it's really, it can be extreme, but there is a build up to it and it really helps to be able to identify because hypomania and mania are not fun. I think, um, if you don't mind, sorry, I'm kind but if you don't mind, the closest I got to, and this is a trigger warning, the closest I got to self-harm was at the time when I was particularly um, where my activity was elevated, where I was feeling hypomanic, or going through a hypomanic phase or no phase, that's when I was most at risk of self-harm. And thank you for sharing a uh, disclaimer, trigger warning, no, for self-harm. Um, one word was talk to me when you mentioned your definition of mania and hypomania as fun and not fun. Snowball. It's very important to take note that mania doesn't happen just once and, you know, you already have a bipolar disorder. It becomes a disorder because it's a cycle. So once you feel like you don't need to sleep, you feel like you're a superhero, you can do everything and anything under the sun, then eventually the crash happens where you start a project, it doesn't happen, you start another project, and it becomes frustrating, you feel angry, you feel envious and jealous um towards people who actually get things done based on your perspective and it becomes a cycle of you know mess and planning and then another mess and then another plan so i think that's a subtle way to put it